service. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. rock a roll Badlands listeners, are you here? Are you with me? Are you too tired to go to bed? Too riled up to stay home? I know I am. This is another podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Badlands, the rap party. Welcome to the Badlands bonus episode, another thing we like to call the rap party. And just like that other show, this is a show that comes after the show, a voyage from one episode of Badlands to the other, the back lot breakdown of sorts. On this episode, we are talking about Jodie Foster, Amadeus, Scorsese on Scorsese, plus my recommendations in your movie-focused voicemails, texts, DMs, and more. Badlands listeners, let's get into it. Greetings, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the rap party. Let's dive right into Jodie Foster. And by the time Jodie Foster, the subject of this week's Badlands episode, by the time she landed the role of Iris, 
a child prostitute in Martin Scorsese's 1976 movie Taxi Driver, Jodie Foster had already been acting for years, and she was only 12 years old, 13 actually when Taxi Driver was released. But already Jodie had appeared in over 50 TV show episodes and a handful of live-action Disney films. Taxi Driver was, of course, her breakout role. And considering the role, the grittiness of the role, the adult nature of the role, it's important to keep in mind that she was 12 years old when she made this and acted in this. It's just astonishing. She earned an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. But after Taxi Driver came out and after this Oscar nomination came out, instead of making more movies, Jodie Foster decided to give up acting and to go to college. It was there that her Oscar-nominated performance in Taxi Driver actually made her a target of a deranged stalker. That stalker, a guy named John Hinckley Jr., was obsessed with Jodie Foster. He wrote her letters, he called her on the telephone, he went to the theater and rewatched Taxi Driver over and over and over again. He became convinced that just like Jodie Foster's character Iris in the movie, Jodie Foster herself needed to be saved. And furthermore, that just like Robert De Niro's character in Taxi Driver, Travis Bickle, that he, John Hinckley Jr., the obsessed guy, was just the guy to save Jodie Foster. Doesn't make any fucking sense. But that's where this guy was coming from. The crazy real life result of all this is, of course, just a few years later in 1981, Jodie Foster was the unknowing inspiration for and in a crazy twisted way, the motive behind John Hinckley's attempted assassination of then current U.S. President Ronald Reagan. This attempted assassination happened in March of 1981, just three months after John Lennon was shot and killed by Mark David Chapman, which is just wild when you think about it. And if you've seen Taxi Driver, this is even more insane to think about given the subject matter of that film. We get into all of this, of course, in this week's episode of Badlands. I'm just giving you a little more context here. This episode, it's got some serious Taxi Driver vibes, which was fun to do, fun to mess with, with one of my favorite films of all time, and I'm psyched for you guys to check this out. It's a really compelling intersection of Hollywood and true crime. But Jodie Foster's resume at the time of making Taxi Driver, it got me thinking, what child stars have been able to stick it out and become some of our most compelling adult actors and actresses? So often, child stars, as we know, they're these cautionary tales. They don't have successful careers later on. I was just watching Terminator 2 downstairs when I was eating lunch before recording this, and I forget the name of the kid who made that movie. I should know it offhand, but I don't, and I'm not going to stop the recording to look it up. But you know the picture. <laughs> you know what I'm getting at here. These guys don't make it in a lot of ways. So when they do make it, it's remarkable. It really, truly is. Someone like Leonardo DiCaprio or Drew Barrymore, you know, Kirsten Dunst, Stephen. There's so many of these actors who have made it. So many who have not, but who are some of your favorite child stars who have made it and have been able to sustain and even strengthen their careers? For me, it's tough to argue with the results of Leonardo DiCaprio, especially because we're talking about Taxi Driver here and the relationship that Martin Scorsese had with Robert De Niro over so many films, uh, uh, Taxi Driver being the first, and then of course, King of Comedy, Raging Bull. But then you look at what he's done with Leonardo DiCaprio, and I think it's even a deeper relationship. I think he's done more movies with Leo than he has with De Niro at this point, which is crazy. And then, of course, there's this new movie, The Flowers of the Killer Moon, that stars both DiCaprio and De Niro from Scorsese that's coming, I think, next month. Anyways, favorite child stars who have gone on to make it or hadn't made it 
Anyway, you know, just let's just get into this. There's a documentary on these child stars as well that I haven't seen. It's out there. Maybe I'll watch that before we talk again next week, and then we can talk about that together as well. You know how to talk to me, right? We've been doing this over and over again. If you're new to the show, if you're new to the after party bonus episodes, excuse me, if you're new to the rap party bonus episodes for Badlands, you can call me up 617-906-6638. You can leave me a voicemail or you can send me a text at that number as well. 617-906-6638. We can get into this topic or anything at all. You can share with me your likes, your dislikes regarding Drew Barrymore, River Phoenix, Leonardo DiCaprio, or even just the show in general. This week's episode on Jodie Foster, whatever you want to talk about, I'm here for it. Just like our guy Joey here from the 520, he knows about this. He called and had this to say. Hey, Jake, it's Joey from the 502. Uh, Trucking along every night, you're in my jump seat. So I wanted to say, John Wayne movie, I heard you say something about that, uh, Green Berets. Then if there's another Army movie you want to see, like a buddy movie, Boys of Company C. That's an older movie, Arlie Ermey's first movie. Comedy, 80s. You've got Eddie Murphy in Trading Places, and he dominated the 80s. It was kick-ass, man. I can't believe you didn't say anything about him. Jamie Lee Curtis was in Trading Places. And then actors who portrayed other actors. There was the guy that did the Queen movie, but that's a singer. But I can't remember his name. Raji, Raji, I can't. Shit, I don't know. Anyhow, I got to concentrate on my drive, brother. Rock and roll. Joey, my man, happy to be there with you every night in the jump seat. I almost had to look up what jump seat is. And then I said, no, I can probably figure it out. Uh, Thanks for the John Wayne recommendations. And yes, 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 yes. Eddie Murphy is the only correct answer for the most, whatever you want to call it, the most absolute best comedian of the 80s, the most influential, the most impactful, the most successful. I left Eddie Murphy off of the list last week when I posed this question because I didn't want that to suck all the oxygen out of the engagement here because I just feel like so many people would have called in with the same thing. And of course, I didn't have to mention him. We got a bunch of calls, a bunch of texts relaying the same exact thing you said. So yeah, I left him off the list on purpose. And yeah, I also added that Jamie Lee Curtis breadcrumb in the last rap party specifically because of the the Eddie Murphiness of it all. Rami Malek is the actor you were trying to think of there who portrayed Freddie Mercury. You know, Rami Malek's performance, a side note in that film, I thought was the best part of that film. Thanks, Joey. Rock and roll. Drive safe out there. All right, let's check in with Todd from Santa Cruz. Hey, Jake. It's Todd from Santa Cruz, California. A uh, name I didn't hear on your list of great comedic actors of the 80s is John Belushi. It's got to be on there. Hard to argue with John Belushi on the top of any comedic list. But when I think of Belushi, I think more 70s than I do 80s. So I'm still sticking with Eddie Murphy there, Todd. But funny you should mention John Belushi. I was reading about Lou Reed over the weekend. And (laughs) there's this great anecdote where basically, you know, there's this long-standing reputation that Lou Reed from Velvet Underground has about being basically being an asshole, being a prick. And I was reading an interview with one of his bandmates from one of his bands in the 70s. And he was saying that, you know, Lou was tough 
But if you knew him, he was cool with you. But if you were, if you fucked him up in any way, if you crossed him in any way, he would just come right at you. And there was this great story of Lou Reed's band playing in Los Angeles in the 70s. And John Belushi and I think Bill Murray and some some of the SNL crew come to see Lou play and they make their way backstage and Belushi's doing his thing where he's just like sucking all the oxygen out of the room and he's being really funny, but he's like just the center of attention. And I don't know if you've ever been backstage with an artist at one of their shows, but it's generally not a good idea to be backstage before they go on. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of tension and you really can't blame the artist for that. They're trying to get in the right headspace. They're trying to get ready to go out and play. If you're going to go backstage, go after. But anyways, I digress. Belushi was back there before and Lou Reed was not happy about it. And he proceeded to just cut Belushi down, like completely just demolished him by the account of this Lou Reed solo band member. I can't remember his name as he tells the story, which I just thought was incredible. Uh, you got to be a pretty witty motherfucker to take on John Belushi. Not that I don't love John Belushi. I do love John Belushi, but I can kind of empathize with Lou Reed in this situation. All right, let's check in with another voicemail here. This one from the 314 from Andrew. Hey, Jake, Andrew from the 314 here. Um, you're talking about 80s comedic actors, and while his 80s comedy filmography isn't too terribly extensive, I'd like to nominate Leslie Nielsen. Um, I think Airplane, Naked Gun, they're both comedy masterpieces, and I think he was a big part of that. Right, thanks. Yo, Andrew, appreciate the voicemail. I don't know, dude. I need to revisit those movies. I remember loving them, the Leslie Nielsen things as a kid, but I can't say I've seen them as an adult. And now that I think about it, I'm wondering why they aren't a bigger part of cable movie programming. Like when I'm scrolling through HBO, Showtime, whatever, I never, they're never on. They're never on anything. You know, we mentioned Animal House earlier. That seems to be on all the time. Caddyshack, Beverly Hills Cop as well. Just another side note here, Beverly Hills Cop, not to digress, but I'm reading this Scorsese on Scorsese book that I'll talk about later in my recommendation section of this episode. But do you know they offered Beverly Hills Cop to Martin Scorsese? Can you imagine if Martin Scorsese directed Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hills Cop? My God. Anyways, I, I'm getting way off topic. Let's go back here to the calls. Let's check in with Terry from Idaho. Hey, Jake. It's Terry from way out in Idaho, the 208. Once again, anyway, I just got done listening to the Bill Murray episode. It is late in the evening on Labor Day. Anyway, you had mentioned some uh, or asked about the um, adaptations from books to movies. So um, top one might be um, Shawshank Redemption from Stephen King's novella, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Also, this one covers your Western. It's not a movie, but a miniseries. That would be Lonesome Dove, and that was adapted from the book. Can't say I read the book, but I do love the miniseries. Anyway, keep up the great work and rock a rolla. Terry, I love the Stephen King book of novellas, Different Seasons. I don't think you mentioned the name. It's called Different Seasons. It's incredible. A lot of film adaptations there besides Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. There's also The Body, which became Stand By Me. And another story in there called The Apt Pupil, which also became a film, which I saw a long, 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 long time ago, and I cannot remember any of it. And then there's a fourth in there as well. I can't remember which one it is, and I can't remember if it was adapted. So if you know the answer to that, get on back to me, Terry. All right? Let's check in in the meantime with Vicky from The 647. Hi, Jake. It's Vicky from The 647, and I'm a big fan 
after recently finding your shows and binging as many as possible. I'm really enjoying the after show and hearing everyone's recommendations. Are you still talking about mission movies? I liked Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood masterminding the plan for three inmates to escape the prison on Alcatraz Island. If you're talking about actors playing actors, it seems that doing so is a surefire way for actors to get Oscar nominated or win the Oscar. Jessica Lange won for playing Francis Fisher in Francis. Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for playing Charlie Chaplin. Renee Zellweger won for playing Judy Garland. Tom Hanks got nominated for playing Mr. Rogers in the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And Austin Butler was nominated for playing Elvis. Now, you may argue that Elvis is best remembered for his music and was not really an actor, but he did star in 31 movies, so I think Austin Butler counts. Thanks for your show, Jake, and all the great work. Hey, Vicky, great to have you. Welcome to the show. Appreciate the call in from the new listeners. I have Escape from Alcatraz up in my queue. I've had it up in my queue for a couple weeks now. I was listening to an interview with Quentin Tarantino and he was talking about the intro of that film and how incredible it is that there's literally no dialogue for like a super long time. I don't want to misquote him. And the way he described the intro just sounded amazing to me. So I have that queued up. I'm ready to watch it. I'm stoked to get into it. Speaking of no dialogue in movies, I recently watched Le Mans with Steve McQueen. That is about the Le Mans race in France. And that one goes, I believe, 39 minutes. I timed it without any dialogue at all which is pretty amazing. And yeah, actors playing actors. I did not know that about Jessica Lange. I should have. I think we've covered that in some way. I agree with you on Austin Butler. I wouldn't have been upset had he won that. I thought he was excellent in that film as Elvis, but I thought he was better as Tex Watson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Talk soon, Vicky. Get back to us. 617-906-6638. That's how you leave a voicemail and that's how you leave some texts. Let's answer some texts here while we're on the subject. All right, Jay from the 662 hit us up and said, uh, hey, you asked who is the best comedic actor of the 80s. I have to say there isn't just one, but maybe a Mount Rushmore will be those you named in the best comedic duo of the late 70s, early 80s would have to be Richie Pryor and Gene Wilder. He's calling him Richie here, not me, Richie Pryor. I don't think I've ever heard that before. On their own, they're hilarious, but their powers combined, they're unstoppable. One of my faves as a child was See No Evil, Hear No Evil. So funny. Check it out if you haven't seen it. I saw that as a kid as well. I have not seen it in a while. But yeah, again, those guys, I think in the more 70s, maybe I'm wrong there, but let's see here. The 507 writes in Becca from the 507. I think Jamie Lee Curtis had an awesome career. I think she was an A in a fish called Wanda. What a cast. Easy for her to get lost in that cast. So I don't think so. She's incredible in that movie. And, you know, since we're on the subject, Trading Places as well. Jamie Lee Curtis, bad ass, right? Right. What else we got here? All right, so we got this one here from the 575. It says, hey, Jake Desiree, truck driver. I am so hooked on every one of your shows. Have you yet done what I'm assuming would only be multiple episodes about Monty Python? There has to be tons of stories, not just about the troop, but also about the individuals that made up the troop. Party on and keep being excellent. You got it, Desiree. I don't at all know much of anything about Monty Python. I've seen the movies, of course, but I don't know shit about the people from the troop and you know what they did and what they got up to and what the history is there and i'm excited to dive in and learn more so thank you i appreciate that 
All right, we were talking a couple weeks ago about best mission movies, and I'm going to keep talking about it. And we got another one here from the 302, another recommendation for Escape from Alcatraz. I'm really excited to see this now. It says, even better mission movie, The Escapist with Brian Cox and Damian Lewis. I don't know that film. And then uh, the 302 writes in, new topic, question mark, best escape film. That's a good one. That's a good one, 302. 617-906-6638. 617-906-6638, guys. Hit me with your latest and greatest on the escape film genre. Best escape films, all right? I haven't thought about this at all and uh, stoked to get into it. Thanks, 302. All right, the 614 writes in, Hi, I've left several voicemails and texts. I love your show so much. I know you receive a huge amount of messages. I'll be chilling on it for a while. I feel my recommendations are good, yet others are so redundant. I try to give film perspective and choices of more obscure music and films to open a world for others that change my life. Hugs to you and, of course, Rockarola, Jebba or Juba from the 614. Thanks, Jebba or Juba. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, I want to go back and I want to read some of these recommendations from the 614 goes on to say Papillon is a great film. We talked about that last week. That's Steve McQueen film. Great film and book. And I read it when I was a teen. Best heist Western favorite film, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Great heist. You know, I saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid a long, 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 long time ago. I need to rewatch it. Okay, let's see. Uh, well, let's do one more here from Jebba. By the way, my name is Jebba Moon. Between us, I was on Jerry Springer two times and Ricky Lake. So I'm semi-famous. All right. What did you do to get on Jerry Springer and Ricky Lake, though? That's what I want to do. And Jebba goes on to ask, what's your favorite chill substance? Lol. I love the stories I could tell you. All right. Well, thanks for the text. Appreciate it. Some good recommendations there. My favorite chill substance. I don't really have substances anymore. You know, I like a nice glass of bourbon every now and then. Good glass of red wine. I found a really good, this is going to bore the shit out of you people, but I found a really good natural organic Chianti that I've been digging. <laughs> and I'm trying, honestly, I'm trying to keep that shit in check. Trying to be a little healthier this year. Trying to keep my head on straight, if you know what I'm saying. All right. Let's uh, let's not forget how to get in touch. 617-906-6638. That's how you voicemail me. Leave me a message. I respond here in the rap party or over in the pre-party now. And you can text me as well. And I'm going to take a quick break. You guys are going to think about who your favorite child actor is. And you're going to hit me up. And you're going to let me know. And then I'm going to come back right after this with some more Jodie Foster information. Just a second. Discos, by now maybe you've heard me talk about Rocket Money and the way that it helps you find and cancel unwanted subscriptions. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's time to check it out for yourself. Did you know that 80% of us are paying for subscriptions that we've forgotten about? This is why I'm such a big fan of Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Most people think that they're spending about 80 bucks on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to $200. When you're signed up for so many things, it is super easy to lose track of what you're paying for. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the subscriptions that you don't want with just the press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all that work for you. 
Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all of your expenses in one place, which is super convenient, and recommends custom budgets based on your past spending. They'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved an average of $720 a year. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash badlands. That's rocketmoney.com slash badlands. Rocketmoney.com slash badlands. All right, we are back. So check this out. When Jodie Foster was 15 years old, Jodie Foster appeared on French television alongside French pop singer Claude Francois to sing Serge Gainsbourg's song, Comic Strip. Amazing song. Yes, you can check this clip out on YouTube, but don't do that yet. Just finish listening to what I'm saying here. Jodie Foster and Serge Gainsbourg. Now that might not be a pairing you'd expect, but consider this. Jodie Foster was raised in Los Angeles and went to a French language prep school. She's fluent in French. Supposedly, she dubs her lines for French versions of her own films. That's pretty damn cool. And around the time of this surge jam on French TV, she appeared in a French film called Moi Fleur Bleu. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. She appeared on that film's soundtrack and even released two singles from that soundtrack for the songs Je t'attends depuis la nuit des temps. I think I pronounced that right too, and I'm very happy with myself right now. And another song called When I Looked at Your Face. These singles were not released in the United States. They were released in France and Germany, but it looks like they're out there. You can get them. Sellers on Discogs, they have them there if you're interested. Who would have thunk? Jodie Foster as an almost French pop star. How's that for a music connection for this week's Badlands episode? All right, more connections, more info from this week's Badlands episode. The number one movie from this episode is Top Gun Maverick. Great film. Came out in June of 2022, which you might be thinking, Jake, why are we talking 2022? if this episode on Jodie Foster is about Taxi Driver in the 70s and the Reagan assassination attempt in 1980. Well, because, excuse me, 1981. Well, because in June of 2022, Reagan's would-be assassin, John Hinckley Jr., was released from custody, if you can believe that. And what's John Hinckley doing now? Well, he's trying to be a folk singer. Kid you not, he signed to a record label called Asbestos Records earlier this year and released a record that appears to have already sold out called Redemption. I'm not interested in John Hinckley Jr.'s musical career. What I am interested in is Jodie Foster starring in the new season of HBO's True Detective, okay? Much more interested in that. Fuck John Hinckley Jr. Um, I believe the True Detective is coming out later this year. I think it's this year still. Great segue for me to get into some of Jodie Foster's greatest movies over the years. Obviously, Taxi Driver from 1976. Foxes, I mentioned Foxes from 1980 because she starred alongside Cherry Curry. Uh, AKA lead singer of The Runaways, The Accused from 1988, which if you've not seen The Accused, you must see The Accused. Jodie Foster won Best Actress for this. She is incredible. The Silence of the Lambs, probably her most iconic role from 1991. Uh, Home for the Holidays, she directed this. I did not know this. She directed this film. Great film. I watch this every holiday season pretty much, and I can't believe I didn't know Jodie Foster directed this. I'm embarrassed right now. Contact, I want to go back and rewatch that. Panic Room, never seen it. 
Need to see it. Never seen Inside Man either with Spike Lee. So many more. What are your favorite Jodie Foster movies? 617-906-6638. I know I'm failing to mention some. Let me know. So that's the scoop on Jodie Foster. Now let's get the scoop from you and get into some of your DMs. Pete Duffy from the 303 in Sydney, Australia. Oh, wait, no. So Pete says here, previously from the 303, now Sydney, Australia. Love the shows, movie recommendations, some kind of wonderful, brilliant soundtrack, and the beautiful Mary Stuart Masterson is the greatest tomboy. And Eric Schultz and the rest of the cast, just amazing. I can't try to be the only one who loves this movie. <laughs> yeah, I saw that a long, long time ago, and I'll give it a rewatch on your recommendation, Pete. Appreciate it. All right, Chris Onnit writes in from somewhere over in Europe. He writes in, I know I have more answers to your questions, but I'm jet lagged. However, my Westerns, my favorite Westerns are Unforgiven is the best, the good, the bad, and the ugly a second. And I love Young Guns 1 and 2. Those are some good modern Westerns there. Appreciate that. All right, got this one from Coco on Instagram writes, Hey, Jake, hope all is well in response to the latest Badlands episode on book adaptations into film. A great one, she says here, is Charlie Kaufman film starring Nicolas Cage in Meryl Streep based on a book titled The Orchid Thief. Wacky movie, and I loved every minute of it, as you would expect from Charlie Kaufman. Anyway, the movie inspired me to read the book, which is nothing like the movie, but it is so, so, so interesting. I recommend both if you haven't already watched and read. P.S. I've read Wise Guy and recommend that for you too. That's the... Uh, book that Goodfellas came out of by Nicholas Pileggi. Coco goes on to say, there are a few differences from the movie, including the real reason Tommy got whacked. I won't spoil it, but a fun fact about that is that John Gotti is the one that killed him. That's not in Wise Guys, so I found that tidbit in another rat's book. Lol. Wow, I did not know that. Is that true? Coco, I want more information on that John Gotti thing. All right? All right. You can hit me up at Disgraceland Pod. You can hit me up on voicemail. You can hit me up on text. And yeah, Keep it going, all right? And take a quick break back in a flash with some recommendations. All right, this is the other recommendations part, the part of the other show where we recommend the movies and television content, the recommendations part, the part where we discuss the movies and television we are recommending. This is the recommendations part here in the Badlands Rap Party bonus episode. All right, I watched or rewatched, I should say, Amadeus over the weekend with my wife and, you know, my kids actually watched part of it as well, which, you know, don't judge. It's not that bad. I mean, come on. It's the fucking 1700s. I liked it. I almost loved it. I didn't love it. I liked it a lot. I need to rewatch it. That's it. I wasn't as focused as I could have been on this film. There's a lot going on. You know what it's like when you're watching a movie with kids, especially when you're guarding against them watching stuff they're not supposed to be watching. But I was like making dinner and there's all kinds of shit going on. But I will say the movie didn't really like hook me in in any way. And I remember really liking this movie as a kid when it was on cable. But I'm going to rewatch it. My favorite part of it was the music, to be perfectly honest with you. It just reminded me of how much I don't know about classical music and composers in general. But I'm going to sit down and give this movie a thorough rewatch with all of my focus. If you guys have seen it, if you love it, let me know. If you hate it, let me know. I am reserving judgment. I thought it was really fucking good. Again, I want to rewatch it. Uh, some of you have recommended this in the past, and that's in part why I got onto this so recently. The other thing I'm watching, I'm watching this Dan Butner series on Netflix called Live to 100. 
The Secrets of the Blue Zones. For those of you who are either into eating healthy slash trying to live forever <laughs> like I am, I highly recommend you watch this show. I'm about two, two series in. I have this guy's book, and this is something that I've been into for about a year, year and a half now. Uh, if you don't know about this, or if you do, just bear with me for one second while I give a brief synopsis. There are these five areas of the world, I believe it's five, called the Blue Zones, where the highest concentration of people who live to be 100 uh, live. And this guy, Dan Butner, who you can find anywhere, he's everywhere. He's gone to these areas and researched the diets and lifestyles of these folks. And uh, it's, I don't want to say there's anything groundbreaking, but it's definitely very compelling. And I mean that in the truest sense of the word. It's, it's inspired how I eat, how I drink, and how I think about how I activate myself during the day. Really, really interesting stuff. That's called the Live to 100, The Secrets of the Blue Zones. That's on Netflix. I think it's a very interesting watch. Check that out. Also, I'm reading this book called Scorsese on Scorsese. So it is, you know, exactly what it sounds like. And I rewatched Raging Bull, which I don't want to get into how incredible Raging Bull is, but my goodness, my goodness, it's one of those movies I can watch a hundred times and still get something out of it. Um, I mentioned Made Men, The Story of Goodfellas. That's a book that I read prior to this one and got me on this Scorsese on Scorsese thing. I'm in a little bit of a Scorsese wormhole right now. My wife tonight are going to rewatch Goodfellas on uh, my in-laws big ass TV. I'm very excited about that. I've seen this movie a gazillion times. And after reading this book on Goodfellas, I'm going to be watching this with fresh eyes, which is really exciting for me. This might be my favorite movie of all time when we get right down to it. So yeah, a lot of Scorsese talk in this episode because obviously Jodie Foster and the connection to Taxi Driver. And I recently found out that there's this Scorsese documentary that I did not know about called American Boy. And it's about his friend, Stephen Prince, who is an actor in Taxi Driver. He plays the gun dealer, Easy Andy, in that scene where Travis Bickle, played by De Niro, is in what appears to be a hotel room. And there are all these guns laid out on a bed, and he's trying to pick one out. Uh, and Easy Andy is the guy who's selling it to him. Now, Easy Andy was one of Scorsese's friends. He was this very charismatic guy who lived this full life. I have not seen this documentary. I'm going to try and watch it before we talk again next week. Again, it's called American Boy. Another thing that comes out of this documentary, however, for fans of the show that is interesting is Easy Andy, excuse me, Stephen Prince, tells the story of how he had to inject adrenaline into the heart of a woman who overdosed with the help of a medical dictionary and a magic marker. Does this sound familiar to you? It does, because it's in Pulp Fiction, because Quentin Tarantino saw the same documentary, obviously, and then wrote it for his screenplay in Pulp Fiction, which is just fascinating. Quentin Tarantino is not the only one who's paid homage or slash stolen from this documentary or from Stephen Prince, I should say. In our episode on the Notorious B.I.G., there's this scene where Biggie Smalls, this happened in real life, where Biggie Smalls purchased a gun to gift to Tupac Shakur when they were friends. And I needed a way to tell that dramatically. So I 
thought I remembered this taxi driver scene with Easy Andy and him selling the guns and myself and Ryan Spraker, who does the music for a lot of our, our episodes. Uh, we were like, okay, it's taxi driver. That's what we're doing. We're just going to recreate that scene. We're going to put Biggie in the same situation that Travis Bickle was in. And, uh, we're going to create this easy Andy character. And that's going to give us a dramatic way to explain how Biggie Smalls bought this gun for Tupac Shakur. It was a bit of a poetic license, but it was definitely an homage to this guy named Stephen Prince. I didn't even know his name at the time. I just knew the character from the Taxi Driver book. And now I'm stoked to hear that there is this Scorsese documentary that is all on this guy, Stephen Prince, and I'm going to watch it. And uh, maybe you guys will as well. So that's my recommendation there. Check out American Boy by Martin Scorsese. I'm going to check it out as well, hopefully this week. I think it's one of those things you can just find it on YouTube. We'll talk about it in the next rap party. Uh, we'll also talk about whatever other movie recommendations you have. Uh, television as well. 617-906-6638. Let me know what you guys are watching. We'll get into it here. You can also hit me up, Pod on the socials or DisgracelandPod at gmail.com. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be back in just a flash. All right, we are back and we are going to recap, okay? Number one, the obvious. The Jodie Foster episode of Badlands is available in your feed right now. Go check that out. Number two, next week in Badlands, a brand new episode on Humphrey Bogart. And number three, over in the Disgraceland feed, we've got new episodes on the RZA and Raekwon and the first two episodes of our serialized season all about Wu-Tang Clan. They're available for you right now. Go check that out. Number four, call me, 617-906-6638. Let's keep this Badlands movie conversation going. Number five, I got to split. I got other podcasts to record and I have to return some videotapes. But right now, a second dose of bliss for yours truly in honor of this week's Badlands episode, me reading the script from Taxi Driver. Sound of office, busy work, shuffling, typing, arguing. Personal office is a cluttered disarray. Sheets with heading, Marvis, B&W, Acme, and so forth are tacked to crumbling plaster wall. It is March. Desk is cluttered with forms, reports, and an old upright royal typewriter. Disheveled middle-aged New Yorker looks up from the desk. We cut into the ongoing conversation between the middle-aged personnel officer and a young man standing in front of his desk. The young man is Travis Bickle. He wears his jeans, boots, and army jacket. He takes a drag off of his unfiltered cigarette. The personnel officer is beat and exhausted. He arrives at work exhausted. Travis is something else again. His intense, steely gaze is enough to jar even the personnel officer on his work. The personnel officer Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it.